I'm Stacy. Hey, I'm Steph. Welcome to Harnessing Your Power, where we discuss everyday topics to break through the stigma and harness our power through self-mastery. Tune in every Tuesday to join us in conversation as we dig deep into our minds and get closer and closer to our highest self. Welcome to Harnessing Your Power. Welcome to everyone who is here live with us on Instagram. Thank you for taking time out of your evening to spend here in conversation with Steph and I. And if you're listening to this on a podcast platform or maybe watching us on YouTube, thank you for being on our channel and taking time in your day, your night, whatever time of day it is to listen to us and join us in conversation because you very much are still part of the conversation. So I actually wanted to express some of that gratitude right back to all of you. Um, Because like Steph and I always say, like, this is literally what it is because of everyone else and because of this ability to connect with so many people and really have this conversation with everyone. So welcome and thank you. And yeah, um, tonight is (laughs) something that I am always excited for, but I was actually telling Steph I was a little nervous to talk about this tonight and um, just really dive into what your inner child is and everything that we're going to get into. And she was like, well, why are you nervous? And I was like, because like, it's just so raw and it's so real and it's something everyone can relate to. And it gets really personal into yourself. Mm. Um, And it's, it's been a journey just prepping for this live, (laughs) let alone the journey we still all have ahead of us. But I am so excited to be here. Um, so to get started, I did want to ask you, um, Steph, like, when did you first learn about the inner child? And like, when did you first hear maybe of like that term or learn about what it is? So I feel like and also, I'm very grateful for just some not stumbling across but like getting to this topic. Um, because like you said, there was it was more of a journey coming to just getting ready for this live period um, and just learning a lot more about myself. But I feel like the first time I heard about the inner child um, was through a podcast. Um, When I started listening to podcasts, maybe like a couple years ago, three years ago, maybe. Um, And I don't think I understood the concept of the inner child. Um, There's a Mm. lot of things that I had learned before that I think make a lot more sense to me now. Um, and I think that even, even if you are aware of your inner child or inner child tendencies, there's always room for growth and it's an ever growing process. Um, but when I first, when I first learned about and began diving into that journey was about, maybe three years ago and it happened through a podcast and I feel like I've learned more as I go and get deeper and deeper um and I don't think that I truly felt the power of doing the inner work until recently actually Mm. um which I mean I guess we can dive into later but what about you wow when did Um, you become aware or hear about the inner child 
kind of similar to you. And I love how you said, like, you didn't really understand the power of doing that inner work until recently, because I can definitely relate to, like, once I learned about the inner child, I kind of realized, like, oh, like, now this other stuff makes sense. And this is actually some stuff I was already working on healing. And I just didn't realize that that's what it was related to. But I also first heard of the concept and like the term a few years ago um, when I was learning about different parental wounds, like the father wound and the mother wound and specific traits that show up when you have those specific type of wounds and how that's all related to your inner child. So it's something that as I first learned about it and I realized like, oh, I kind of been doing this healing. I had that realization again when preparing for this live. Um, when I was listening to stuff and reading stuff and just having all of these emotions coming up, I was like, wow, okay. Like I'm actually right in the middle of doing this healing. And that's why I was a little bit nervous to even talk about it because I was like, well, can I talk about it? I haven't healed it yet. But that's a big mm -hmm. thing that I know um, we really tr stay transparent about with all the topics that we talk about is that we're definitely not experts. We're not doctors or the trained therapists or mental health practitioners whatsoever. We're just people going through these experiences too and having that self-awareness to make it all a growing journey. So I realized it actually could be a perfect time to talk about this since mm. we since I am like going through this myself. Um, and one thing that Ruby actually told us was that, like you just mentioned, that this healing is a lifelong process, just like growing, like it's never going to be over. So it's always a good time to talk about it. Um, and yeah, like, I guess that's all I have to say for that right now. <laughs> that was one thing we had said um, when we were connecting right before we went live as well to just get together some notes. We were just like, whoa, like we both have the most notes that we've ever had for any topic. Yes. And I also have like pages and pages of journaling I did about my own personal situations aside from just the notes. And I feel like I have so much to say about everything and it all just goes so deep and it just can keep going layer into layer. So bear with us through this episode. <laughs> I know we're both excited to just share a lot of the value, but we do have some type of plan. <laughs> I actually think that's the beautiful thing about speaking about the inner child though. I feel like regardless of how much work you've done, regardless of how much research you've done, it can always come back up. It mm. can always resurface and you can always learn from it each and every time. Um, and you can be super young or, or not, maybe not super young, but you can be younger um, or you can be older and still be doing that inner child work. And I think that's what I love about it. But like Stacy said, um, I am not a therapist. I do not um, have any professional background. We're just doing the work and we're just doing the work and doing the work with you guys. Um, but I do have a definite, I have two definitions actually um, of the inner child that I found. Oh, please share. <laughs> I, I'm always here for the actual definition. <laughs> yeah. So I actually found a couple definitions, but all of them, 
turned into this. And it was the inner child is the part of our mind that stores all of our emotional experiences from childhood. And I actually listened to this from the holistic psychologist. And she said, we filter all of the things that happened to us during that age from the time that we are killed like babies to the time we're seven or eight. And we filter all of the things that happened to us during that period through a self-assigned meaning versus Mm. the meaning that we have in the world. So kind of like um, one of the examples that she gave is, hey, maybe if, you know, as a child, maybe your parent was always working. And instead of just, and when they came home, they were in a bad mood. Instead of just, oh, they were in a bad mood because they just got home from work. Something must have happened at work. And we can understand that as adults. As a child, we're just thinking, oh, they don't love us. Oh, they don't want to talk to us right now. And I thought that was very interesting, like having that self-assigned meaning. Um, But then I was also listening to another therapist, actually. Her name is Katie Morton. And she said, doing the work, doing the inner child work, and discovering what comes out of that is getting directly to the root. What is the root of the root? Mm. And I thought that was so good. Um, Wow. Yeah, I thought that was so good because how often do we look at, and I, I mean, I think that's part of like the inner child work, but how often do you sit back and look at, okay, well, why do I feel this way? Have I felt this way before? Is there maybe something bigger to this? Yeah, I love how it was framed in that, like, root of the root. Because I feel like when you are growing your emotional intelligence and you're becoming more aware of, like, psychology and other people's minds, you start to learn that your initial reaction to whatever situation is happening might actually be because of something else. Like, you might react angry towards someone because you're actually embarrassed. Or there might be, Mm. like, a secondary actual, like, root emotion that's happening. But that's really interesting to even think about the root of that root. Like, why are you even embarrassed? What happened to Mm. you when you were a child that makes you feel embarrassed in this situation? Um, And I think that's such an amazing thing to start to bring more awareness and attention to. Because it really, like... I feel like everything with healing your inner child and connecting to your inner child and all these layers of it really is just having deeper understanding of yourself. And I feel Mm. like that allows you to truly get towards a place of your highest self. Yes. So I know we, even at the beginning of this and like kind of while we were talking about this, we talked about how, while doing the research to get here, to be on this live, to be able to speak about this, um, we both felt different emotions that arose and that maybe surprised us that maybe we knew we were there, where we knew we were there, but just things that arose. What was that like for you? Like, where did the research that you did for today take you? Through... <laughs> A whole journey. Let me tell you, I feel like on one hand, it's just reiterates why I'm so grateful for having this podcast in general and it being a consistent thing that is propelling my own growth. 
because Steph and I really do not only listen to other sources and read things, but we do a lot of our own reflection and all of that. And this last week or so that we have been preparing for this live, like (laughs) it has felt (laughs) like months of growth kind of like compacted into a week and it has been very emotional. There's been a lot of layers to it. And yes, on one hand, the realization that I'm, I'm in the middle of this healing. And on that hand, like it's been really positive. And I've actually realized a lot of places where I have actually corrected my internal dialogue, a lot of places Mm -hmm. where instead of right away thinking, oh, I'm not good enough, or they're not going to listen. I think like, people want to hear what I have to say. Like, that's definitely something that stems from a childhood wounds that I have which is a really common one um, is not being seen or not being heard. And I honestly think that that specific thing is something everyone has experienced as a child because children talk 24 seven. And even if you have amazing parents and they're incredibly attentive, I'm sure there's a time that they're like, Hey, stop. (laughs) And so I think we can all relate to that one. And I, for a while, it really made me feel like people just really didn't want to hear what I had to say. Like when I was a kid, people said I talk too much. So I guess Mm. people just don't want to listen. And not to say like, oh, I fully healed that. But I've definitely at least done the work to change that internal dialogue. It's actually an affirmation that I say every day is people want to hear what I have to say. And it's not in a cocky way at all. Like, (laughs) I'm just a stream of consciousness and like other stuff I've learned and experienced. But it's really just a thing of confidence for me that like, yes, I do bring value Yes, I am just a stream of other stuff that I've read and learned. But like some people in the chat have said, we bring our own perspective to it. And I really appreciate you guys um, reminding me that that is a really positive thing and something valuable in itself. But on the other hand (laughs) of realizing that I'm smack in the middle of this healing journey, I realized how much healing there still is to do. And I know that it's like a journey forever. Um... And you want to keep growing and all of that. But when I really took some time to just read about how these different traumas and wounds can show up in your current life, there were so many tears, honestly. (laughs) That's where this research took me was to tears and to a lot of sadness and a lot of almost feeling bad for my inner child and feeling bad for my younger self and that's definitely something that I'm working to grow through because I think that why yes you do want to kind of reflect and heal those wounds it's not in a way of taking pity on yourself but it's like comforting yourself that hey I'm here now like it's Mm. all good maybe you weren't listened to back then maybe no one ever listened to you back then but someone's listening to me now. I'm listening to me now. That's the biggest thing for me with everything about going through um, connecting to your inner child and healing all of that is that validation of self. Knowing that it doesn't matter if anyone is there for me or not because I am. I love that you said I'm going to listen to myself. I love that. Um... But what about you? Where... Where did this research take you? Because I know you said you did some journaling, some meditating, like, tell me about it. So this, 
I feel like this research actually, and kind of how you said, like, extremely grateful for this podcast, because if it wasn't for this, if it wasn't for our commitment to be here every single week, um, I feel like it has allowed me to be more committed to growth. And I feel like Mm. I've always been committed to growth, but I feel like in a different way now, realizing that I have to show up for those who are consistently here and just make sure that I'm helping everyone grow. And with that, I mean, you have to grow yourself to just grow through that. So extremely grateful for this. Um, But it's definitely brought me the first word that I could think of when talking about where this brought me was compassion. Mm. Um, And I think something you had said was, you know, you look back and you're like, well, I'm here for me now. And you're not wanting to feel bad for yourself. But what I think a lot of the times when we talk about the inner child, a lot of people think big trauma. Um, And what this really brought me to was it does. And that's not to say that not everybody's been through trauma or whatever, but you mentioned you were almost feeling bad for yourself. And I feel like a lot of times I've looked back and been like, oh, it's not that bad. What I went through wasn't that bad. It was fine. Like, I was fine. Like, I was just, then, like, I'm sure other people have gone through, oh, I was just being a kid. I was being dramatic. Or Mm -hmm. it was, it was, you know, whatever the case may be. And I think looking back and realizing, hey, it's not just, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. But I was a different person back then. I was a child back then. I was experiencing things differently back then and realizing to really have that compassion with ourselves that, oh, I was, I was different. And I think oftentimes we look, at least I feel like I do, I'm an aunt. So I look at the kids and anytime, like, I don't know, something happens, I'll be like, oh, poor baby or my baby. But then we look back at like our child selves and it's not that big of a deal. And I think it brought me to a lot more compassion, like looking at your inner child self as that child that you love. Mm-hmm. and really giving yourself that comfort versus oh it wasn't that big of a deal so it brought me to that and brought me to a lot of realization that yes I am still going through the healing I think I already knew that beforehand but realizing how much um stuff still arose um and like you said I found myself getting teary-eyed but I didn't know why mm-hmm. I was just like I was like, what is even going on? Um, And you mentioned that I had done a meditation. I was just doing a lot of research and just listening to different people. And one one of the videos that I was watching, one of the girls mentioned, oh, I do this meditation and really I just sit and I look and I look at, I take myself back to my childhood and I kind of just let that child come to me I don't think of a specific time and if it's maybe a little bit harder for you to imagine that inner child thinking of a light in the center of your chest and growing it and literally growing it in your mind with your eyes closed and as it gets bigger and it's a bubble around you having that be the space where you are now your inner child and really just taking yourself back to like a a space and for me it was like my childhood bedroom my house my childhood house um bedroom and just one of the things she pointed out that I thought was really cool when I was doing it was she mentioned as she was going through the different spaces in her mind there was little things that she forgot was even there that would just pop up 
and that happened to me in my old room like just the shelves I could imagine what was on the shelves I could imagine like all the little things my desk where my bed was um and that's not things that I usually picture in my mind um but going back to that and really just be able to feel feelings that I was feeling back then and then journaling afterwards Mm. and really thinking about okay what am I feeling now why am I feeling this um and also brought me a lot of compassion for my parents. Um, and just realizing that, hey, maybe some of the feelings that I have that are work that I need to do possibly come from them. Um, but at the end of the day, it's my job to do the work and really looking at my parents, do they know that they need to do that work? Mm. Um, and I don't think that's something a lot of people are I don't know. I don't think my parents are consciously doing inner child work. Um, (laughs) So being able to understand that and know that, hey, maybe I'm a little ahead on my journey than they are and being compassionate with them and realizing they probably have a lot of traumas that they need to work through on their own um, just helped me feel a lot of compassion for them and a lot of compassion for myself and realizing that, hey, it's okay. Um, And there's always growth to be had. So um and then also just writing down I wrote down writing down um just anything that I feel like after that meditation maybe I needed to hear as a child um just putting that out there so that's kind of where that brought me um and then I also wrote down realizing that working on that inner child which is why I said that I love that you said I'm listening to me um but realizing that working on the inner child is making a consistent effort to meet our own needs on our own. Um, And whatever it is, maybe whatever reason we felt or feel the feeling, knowing how to meet that need and finding how to meet that need. Mm. Wow. Wow. (laughs) I love that. And I really love how like overall, all of this just made you feel compassion, like compassion for yourself, for your inner child and for your parents. Because I think that's a huge part of it is it brings that understanding. And when you have the understanding that, like you said, like your parents most likely weren't doing inner child work and parents aren't most likely intentionally doing these things to their children thinking that it's going to cause like these lifetime wounds. Like, I don't think every time a parent is like, Hey, be quiet. They're like, yep. So that way you have lower self-confidence. Like that's not the case. Um, And that's why I think it's such powerful work. Like you said, because it's something that really everyone can benefit from going through this. And on the point of like having compassion for parents, one thing that the holistic psychologist also said was that, a lot of us grew up with parents who didn't know how to fully see us and allow us to express ourselves without judgment because they don't mm-hmm. even know how to allow themselves to do that. And I feel like this all goes along with like the root to the root. Like you really just see like how deep this goes. And it made me think about how. Oops. Are you here? Okay, perfect. It was frozen for a second. Um, But it makes me think about like the root to the root and how deep of all how deep all of this really goes, because um, 
Now I forgot what I was going to say about that. <laughs> Honestly, um, I love the fact that you came back to the root of the root. Because you're right, the root of the root can be so deep. Um, but I don't know if you remembered where you're going with that, but I love that you came Oh, back yes, I did. Thank you. Yes. The root of the root, because it makes you think about how deep and how far back, like, some of these traumas can go. And that's where mm. you sometimes hear the term, like, generational trauma. So it makes me think about the same type of things that we talk about in our business of breaking generational curses of poverty and starting being that person in the family to start the generational wealth going forward. And I kind of look at Mm. this the same way because I also don't think even to this day, my parents really think about inner child. Um, That's one thing that we're fortunate in this era of millennials is that these are more commonly talked about things. So we actually benefit from it being a more normal thing to like break go into this but unfortunately for my parents I don't think that's the case so rather than just having like oh it's my parents fault or oh I'm like this because as a kid this happened to me mm-hmm. yes still acknowledging that and still validating your younger self that's like one point that I love that you brought up is that it was the experience that we had at that time with all the information and the knowledge and the skills that mm-hmm. we had That's how we experienced it. And that's what it was. Like, there's no changing that. So acknowledging that, but not blaming our parents, but instead using that as motivation to be the people who change it for our family going forward. Just like with wealth. I'm going to be the the person in my family that creates the generational wealth and the generational, like, inner child healing. (laughs) No, I I love that. And you mentioned at one point um, earlier that, you know, even if you have amazing parents and attentive parents, there's probably still something. Um, And I think it's interesting that we're talking about like being that moving forward. Um, And I think that's, that's what I love about being able to speak on here to be able to speak to others and just kind of shift perspectives. Because at the end of the day, I do think it's a ripple effect. you know, as we're having a conversation and maybe it's just me and you having the conversation right now and we have some viewers on live and we're having the conversation. Now they can go have that conversation with somebody else. And when now when it's like being recorded and somebody's listening to having that conversation with somebody else, um, do you, I had a question, but I don't know how to properly word it. Um, but I mean, do you think the work ever, I guess, do you think the work ever ends, even if you grow up with a parent that is maybe a little more emotionally aware? No, because while I do think a lot of our inner child and not only the wounds, but like the beliefs and the perspectives that we have from childhood, I think a lot of that is instilled from our parents. But I think in total, it comes from our entire environment and our entire experience. Mm -hmm. So I think that no matter what, like the work never ends because I think that like, I don't know, like to me, my inner child is obviously from my childhood, but it's also like me last year. It's just like all like, it's all like previous me, like all together. (laughs) So that being said, like, we're always moving forward so we can always 
reflect and keep healing. And because it is like that root of the root thing, it just keeps going deeper. So I don't think the work is ever done. And Levy in the chat agrees with me. She said, you're always growing. And I think it's a misconception to believe that at some point it'll be done because then you're just chasing like the gold at the end of the rainbow. Mm. Um, I love that you said the me from last year, because as I was doing the research and looking stuff up and just listening to different things, a lot of people kept talking about just the child you, the child you. Um, and then I heard somebody talk about like the teenage you and I was like, oh, your inner child can be anybody who's still and something that I listened to that I really liked is realizing your inner child is always there. Mm. Um, and I thought that that was really powerful. And the way that they described it was your inner child and your current you. Um, and I think I'm kind of going into what we were going to talk to next. But <laughs> Um, the inner child and your current you or even your higher you, they're all there together at the same time. But if maybe you're getting that tantrum in the back of your head or maybe you're having that big reaction um, that you realize you need to work through, that's your inner child wanting to take control and realizing that it's there, being able to work through that trauma so that you can kind of be one with your inner child or be in harmony with your inner child, I feel like is a good way to explain that. Um, so just figured I'd put that out there. <laughs> wow. I really like that perspective of like, not only that your inner child is always there, but it's like part of you and your authentic self and all of it's coming together. Um, and that is something that I was also reading about that it's like, and this, um, does get into what we are going to talk about in a little bit but it's it is both sides like every time you have heightened emotions that is your inner child expressing yourself so not only when you have like those angry or sad tantrums mm. but when you have extreme joy and extreme happiness at any time like you're just feeling really elevated emotions it is your inner child um and i think it is beautiful being able to acknowledge that and understand it to be able to be in harmony like you said Mm. I love how you put that because I was thinking specifically like more the tantrums um but I love yeah. that you added like the high highs as well yeah um so that being said tell me more about like your own experience of healing your inner child or maybe something that you learned while preparing for this that really like resonated or like just what has that been like for you to kind of learn what different things of your inner child you need to heal and like that whole healing process so I feel like there's there's a few things um <laughs> and I think I kind of talked about this before when we were talking about like the meditation and just having that compassion but to just go a little bit deeper I do have um three like steps that can be like kind of like a, that, that way if you want to write down the three steps I have three steps to healing the inner child by the holistic psychologist this was just a little side note that I saw that was it I feel like it just breaks down 
a little bit better, but becoming conscious of the inner child and realizing that it doesn't have to be intense trauma. Some of them are just consistent moments in time where we were very young when we need, when our needs weren't acknowledged, considered, or met in a way that felt good to us. Mm. And that was kind of where like the compassion came in for me. Like, okay, it doesn't have to be this big thing, even though like, if I could think of a big thing, if maybe I thought of a smaller thing, I'm like, okay. Um, And then really learning to not look back with that judgment. Um, I think when we look back with judgment, a lot of shame comes from that too. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is probably one of the worst feelings that comes from looking back. Um, And then I also have, where is, hold on, sorry, my note. Okay. And then I have, why do I have them all? Sorry, this was a lot more organized. Oh, and then step three, usually using triggers as a guide. When you're feeling that intense emotion, whether it be high or low, realizing, okay, maybe this is a bigger emotion, feeling that big emotion for something that might not be so big. So whether it's good or bad, maybe you're feeling, maybe you came home and the dishes weren't done and you make it this big thing versus it being, and it was just an example that I could think of. You make it this big thing versus just getting the dishes done and doing that. And I feel like having that broken down into something smaller, like, okay, cool, this this big emotion. Have you ever like had an argument with somebody and realized, okay, maybe I was a little overreacting. Yes. <laughs> I feel like that, that has happened to me on more than one occasion. Um, but being able to really dissect that and go back to it and just being like, okay, getting to the root of the root, realizing it, but also asking myself or asking your inner child, what does it need to be considered? Mm. What does it need to, to stop feeling that? And I think something that I saw that it was feeling the emotion and growing through it until it no longer has a large emotional trigger. Mm. And I think that's where it's the work. Um, because yes, we can acknowledge it, but have you done the work to get past it? Right. Um, <laughs> and I think that's what I'm working on some self still um but also just making the consistent effort making the consistent effort to know that our our needs are met and working together with the inner child um a story that i really liked that reminded me of that was and i'll make this as fast as possible but it was he was talking about um super nanny and Super Nanny had come to a home and the mom was like, oh, the child, like, you know, my child's not going to bed on time. He always wants to be in my bed, whatever. I need my child to be in bed by nine, but it's just not going to happen. And it was already dismissed in the back of her head. It's just not going to happen. And so Super Nanny had her take her son to his room at nine and said, 9 p.m. bedtime. He came out. He fought her. And they did this all freaking night all night and they just kept going back and forth and eventually she was so exhausted of doing the work with him that she was like can I just let him be in my bed and super nanny said no you need to continue to do this you need to 
you need to make this consistent effort and have that um, compassionate discipline to be able to have them go. So then after a few days, when they kept doing this, it became less and less and less. And eventually by the end of the week, the child was going to bed on time. And it was a lot easier for the mom. And then they twisted the story and had it be the inner child and you as that person, as that parental figure. And that's what doing the work is. Like really continuing to put the child to bed, continuing to work on that inner child. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to mean putting your inner child to bed, but just it's going to come up more than once. And it's okay to work through it. And it's okay to realize, okay, maybe I'm not all the way healed here. Um, okay, maybe I need to do some work, some more work here. Um, but acknowledging that it's always there and it's okay. But the more we send the child to bed, the more we can become closer to that inner child, the more we can really work with the inner child to, to listen, but to also just kind, kind of how we said early, earlier, work in harmony with the right. inner child. Wow. Wow, that was a great metaphor of, like, the two-part thing, like, needing to do that consistency and showing how, like, like, what would have happened in the story if the first night after she put him back to bed 10 times, she just, okay, whatever, I give in. I'll just let him into my bed. So, like, which I, sorry, which I feel like do you not feel like that's like an automatic reaction when you begin to do the work? You're like, okay, wait, this is a lot. Maybe I can just, maybe I can just let this go. Yep. I feel like either it's either like, Oh, I just don't want to do this work. It's going to be too much. Or you're still having too much judgment against yourself. So you just kind of like put it to the side. Maybe you never put your child, your inner child to bed. You just let it keep running crazy, but you think that it's not affecting you, but it still is. Mm. That's interesting. Um, I feel like when you do put in that consistent effort, that really is what they call like reparenting yourself. And one definition I have of reparenting is learning how to meet your own needs, how to find new ways to cope with emotions, and how to connect more authentically to yourself. Mm. And I feel like that goes hand in hand with what you were saying about, yes, acknowledging your inner child and doing the work for it not to still be a trigger, but also to like see what your inner child is trying to teach you in that moment. One thing I was mm. reading painted that perspective that an example is, let's say you have a full day planned you wrote it out in your calendar, you have calls scheduled, you have some meetings, you have other errands to run, and you have like a whole productive day planned, not overplanned, not a stressful day, just like a good full day ahead. And you're actually looking forward to it the night before because you know you have everything in order for it to be a successful day. And then the morning comes and you're just like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to do this work. Like, no. And that type of tantrum is your inner child not wanting to work and wanting to play. So mm. on one hand, like understanding how to maybe not experience that every single day, because <laughs> that just obviously wouldn't be living in harmony. But 
on the days that that might come up, pausing and letting yourself learn from your inner child. Maybe that's coming up because you're actually not caring for your inner child enough because you're working way more than you're playing. And your inner child is trying to tell you, hey, why don't you take some time to go rest and go play and go do something fun? That was a really big reoccurring theme for me as I was going through some of this research was the importance of play. And it's heavily studied in education how children learn through playing and the need for play for their brain development and social skills and um, the different chemicals that are sent in your brain that make you feel good when you play. And there's significant studies now showing how necessary that still is for you your whole life. Like that concept of playing and just like silly laughter, like pure joy and like bliss. Like think about like just any random memory you have of childhood of like just pure bliss. And like, what are you doing? Playing in some Mm -hmm. type of way, like some type of play it's going to be for sure. And for some reason as a society, we don't, we almost look down on like adults playing. Mm. You have to almost like justify your reason to play. What did you get done enough that you're allowed to play? And the concept of the inner child is there doesn't have to be a reason. You can just go play. Like that's what it is. That's all a kid knows. A kid doesn't care. Oh, did I get all this done on my to-do list? No, a kid is like, I just want to play. All I want to do is play. And you have that inside of you. And Being able to, like I said, you know, be in harmony so it's not overpowering you, but still being able to, like, nurture that need at times. And for me, like, that really was in terms of play. Like, as I I was actually doing one journaling thing, and I was like, how can I play more? And as I was writing it, I was like, this just feels silly. Like, this feels stupid. (laughs) I'm 25 years old writing, like, how can I play? (laughs) But like Levy said, play is access to the imagination and to catering to that part of your mind and your soul so that is something that um just came up for me through my own healing is not only like healing those wounds but catering to to myself and like really connecting to that inner child um but one other thing I want to say before we talk more about actually like connecting to that inner child um on the note of healing I came across actually an Instagram post which right after this live I'll share it to my story so you guys can check it out it's from this account mindful maloku and it goes through this flow chart of as a child you feel shame when a parent does x So as you're growing up, it causes Y, and this turns into an adult with Z type of problem. So one example that really, like, resonated to me as soon as I read it, I was like, yep, that's the wound I have, (laughs) is a child feels shame when a parent compares them to another child. So this child grows up thinking they are less than others and ties their self-worth to doing and accomplishments And this turns into an adult that struggles with low self-esteem and self-worth and sometimes judges others to validate self. Mm. And that is my, like, one example of a very prevalent um, archetype in my childhood of being compared to my brother. And even to this day and age, like, my parents still sometimes say those phrases. And they know that they do. And they don't 
do it with the intention to cause this emotional trauma and baggage, but it's just what makes sense in their mind. Like they have two kids. He's the older one. He's a boy. I'm a girl. Like, of course they're going to make comparisons, you know, like I can't fault them. But for a long time, I actually really did. I was like, that's so messed up how they always did this. Like everything about my low self-worth is all because of that. And maybe that was a big part of it. But now like this whole conversation is actually making me have more compassion for them because like I said, you know, that was just probably easier for them being a parent of two kids. And in some ways they would compare me to my brother with like the goal of like inspiring me or protecting me, or they actually had different intentions than how I actually experienced it. And I feel like that is a big thing. Um, And another one I want to share is a child feels shame when a parent is told, sorry, a child feels shame when a parent tells them that they are a big boy or big girl and to stop feeling those feelings. Mm. I think, like I said, we've all experienced that as a kid. Like kids cry so much (laughs) about nothing that a parent can't help but to be like, you're crying about nothing. Stop. And it's true, like, we are crying about nothing. But from our perspective, we're not crying about nothing. And we don't even have, like, the intellectual capabilities to connect those dots. We just make the connection that we're crying. Parent is now mad at us and told us to stop. So I shouldn't cry anymore. And it goes all the way that this creates a person who, as an adult, believes the only way to receive love is to not show emotion. Because when they did show emotion, the parent got upset. And those entire type of things are really just what, like, blows my mind about the entire thing. Because, like I said, like, the parent is definitely valid. The parent's thinking logical and is like, come on, you know, like, nothing actually happened. But in the kid's mind, it's not like that. Because everything is just so, like, in the moment when you're a child. So those were just two... um, examples that I personally could relate to a lot and that I'm definitely going through a healing process of so as you talked about and it's okay if you don't have one but as you talked about the archetypes I know you had a few um is there and you also mentioned in the beginning like not feeling heard is one that you feel like a lot of us can relate to is there one specific to that um That is just kind of related to all of the archetypes. Um, So real quick, there's seven different inner child archetypes. Some break down a few more, a few less. I really liked this list of seven. The first one is a caretaker who gains a sense of identity and self-worth through neglecting own needs. Mm. Believes only way to receive love is to cater to others and ignore own needs. The second one is life of the party. So always cheerful and comedic and never showing vulnerability. Was shamed for emotional state and copes by attempting to make sure everyone else is happy. The third one is rescuer or protector. Attempts to rescue others to heal your own vulnerability and believes only way to receive love is by focusing on others' needs. 
So see, there's some like similar like themes found in a few different ones. The fourth one is hero worshiper. So this person needs like a, a person or a guru to follow. And this is a really interesting one that um, personally I don't really relate to, but it emerges from having one caretaker who was seen as like a superhuman. And not even necessarily just from the kid, but sometimes it was talking about from the other parent. So it happens sometimes in households where one parent is um, like the breadwinner and maybe the other parent is like a stay-at-home parent or not just that dynamic, but when that dynamic is like dialed up and it's like made apparent that parent A good does everything for us parent a you know what i mean like when it's mm. made apparent that one parent does everything it causes the child to then always need someone to like follow which was an interesting mm. one and they believe the only way to receive love is to reject their own needs and just model their life on someone else's life mm. so again about rejecting own needs like that is a very i feel like the two biggest themes throughout everything is just not feeling seen or heard or safe and that leads to like later in life rejecting your own feelings and your own needs the fifth one is the yes person who drops everything and neglects their own needs in service of others and someone who had to do a lot of self-sacrifice in childhood so an example of that was sometimes um families with multiple siblings and sometimes the older child ends up having to like be a caretaker for the younger children so while they're still a child themselves making that sacrifice and this person believes the only way to receive love is to be good and selfless and they become codependent on others and then the last two is the overachiever and the underachiever mm. the overachiever feels seen and heard and valued through success and achievement and uses external validation to cope with low self-worth and believes the only way to receive love is through achievement. And this is the one that I can relate to so much. <laughs> like, as I was writing this, I was like, wait, like, this is how I am. And I didn't know this was, like, a bad thing. Or not a bad thing, but I didn't realize that it was stemming from, like, a wound or something that I need to heal. The underachiever keeps self small and unseen beneath their potential because of fear of criticism or shame about failure. And they believe the only way to receive love is to stay invisible. Mm. And it talks about um, in households, again, with multiple children, how sometimes with the same parental figures, it can create one overachiever and one underachiever. Mm. Wow. But is there an archetype that you feel like you relate to the most and also anyone who's tuning in with us live i know it was kind of a lot i'll quickly say the names again but let us know in the chat if there's one that you feel like you relate to or a few the first one is caretaker life of the party rescuer hero worshiper the yes person the overachiever the underachiever so i personally feel like the one that I really re related to was Rescuer. Um, mm. But then I do feel like I've never considered myself to be an underachiever. 
But when listening to it in this way, I feel like I get it. And I felt that. And I was like, oh, and yeah, no, I just, the reason I had asked if, if there was one that stemmed from not being heard was because since you had given a very specific um, healing point, I feel like sometimes I hold back on like healing points on lives because I just tend to do so. Um, But a very specific healing point that came up for me in this um, was really thinking back to like conversations with my dad and there were, I don't know why I can remember this night so vividly, um, but I remember having an argument with my dad and a couple, like probably a few times. There had been times where we're just arguing, and instead of continuing the argument, I'd literally follow him out to the garage, and he'd leave mid-argument. Um, so, like, I'm still crying, and we're still talking, and he leaves. And obviously, I don't think that it's something he did super intentionally or whatever the case may be. But I do feel like there in in certain conversations or certain arguments, I can see how, okay, I didn't feel heard in that time, and I can see how I carry it over. Um, and I feel like that's something I've definitely been working through a lot. Um, but just really, that's where I can go back and see that compassion for him as well as myself. Mm. Wondering what, okay, maybe you didn't mean it intentionally, but... What what work did we both need at the time? Mm. Wow. And then we're kind of getting towards our hour mark, but I know we also wanted to talk briefly about connecting to the inner child um, and being able to work hand in hand with the inner child. Um, so how how do you feel like you connect or embrace your inner child? Oh, I love that question. And I do love that we're going to briefly touch on this because I feel like it will end this podcast in a more positive light. I feel like we've definitely had compassion and, you know, a positive take on the whole thing. But this is like the other part, not just like the healing, but like the happy part, because Mm -hmm. like I mentioned, it's not just the strong feelings of anger and sadness that's your inner child but also the strong feelings of happiness so I actually sat outside and meditated earlier today and I wanted to think about a direct personal example I could share of something that brought me a lot of joy as a child and something that I still do and I was excited for this reflection because I hadn't thought about it before like I hadn't thought about what thing I still do that makes me feel happy that I've done since I was a child. And it's ironic. I was sitting outside (laughs) because that's what my answer was. And I was like, wow, well, this makes sense. Because if you know me, you know, I love to be outside. I go outside all day long. Like I'm, if I could, I would spend most of my day outside, not inside. And I, it came to me because as I was meditating, I was just like, okay, just the first memory I have of being a child and just having a good time not necessarily like the best time ever because we did take some cool like vacations I was thinking about something that was kind of more like of a habit that I had as a kid or something I had done consistently as a kid that made me feel really happy and the memory is actually something with my dad when I used to get home from school 
even like up through middle school and I like wouldn't even tell my friends in middle school that like me and my dad still did this but (laughs) we would always go outside and um just like bounce a ball back and forth (laughs) it sounds kind of lame but that just shows you like how easy it is to please your inner child because it really was just that moment of play of like bouncing this ball back and forth and I know through different periods I would like wish that I had friends to play with instead of my dad but looking back like I actually have a lot of gratitude for him that he would take his time almost every evening to play with me and it wasn't just playing but it was that we were outside I would always be the one to be like let's go outside and my brother would be like let's all just stay inside and like play a game together my brother's not that outdoorsy back then. He is now, but, <laughs> and I was like, no, I have to get outside. And it's just so amazing because I feel like I have this drive so much inside of me still. Like a few months ago when I was really in like the intense part of finishing up my master's program and really busy with other businesses and projects, I was starting to feel kind of in a really negative headspace again. And I realized it's because I was spending most of my day inside. Mm-hmm. And I literally like thinking back, like, I would tell people like I have this like itching inside to get outside and it's not this itching. It's my inner child saying, girl, get outside. Like that's what makes you feel good. Um, so that is a way that I connect to my inner child a lot that I didn't realize. Um, and just a way that I really feel like I nurture that part of my inner child and my current self. I think it's something that not only my inner child like loves to do, but like, everything about my current self so I feel like it's a great example of something that connects to all of it and like helps it all live in harmony yes I love that you said sitting outside because as you were like saying that anytime I go outside and like the sun is beaming I love the feeling of the sun on my skin it could be really hot and everyone could be like oh it's so hot but I still I just love the feeling of just taking in the sun really enjoying the sun and it's something I've done since I was young but it was actually not the thing that I thought of but I guess I didn't realize like how I love that so much and it's something that I always just take a second to appreciate um but something that I really love doing to connect with my inner child is listening to like old soundtracks um listening to like some old Hilary Duff or Montana (laughs) (laughs) any of that um and something that I love doing that I haven't done in a while that I really want to do now is literally just jamming out with my sister um and I think now that she's a mom um we don't do it as often but we literally even when we live together like as grown like and I think it's more something that she kept alive with her friends like her and her Mm. close group of friends they would always like put on still the cheetah girls and still yes. like jamming out. But it was something that I got to do with them that really brought me joy every single time and brought me back to that time where I was just sitting in front of the TV with my sister and really enjoying who I was as a child and loving that. Um, me and my cousin and my sister would always do like little dance routines that we would do for our family. And maybe I don't do all of that anymore. Um, but even just being able to just the nostalgia, like getting back into that. Um, And coloring. Coloring is a big thing that I just, like, even adult coloring books, um, just, it's it's coloring, but as a grown-up, and it feels so good to just have that moment of calm, Mm -hmm. um, doing something that I loved then and still love to do now, and it's something that I realized I don't pick up as much as I should. 
Um, but those are just like a few things that I love to do. Um, and even like watching like some old, just anything that brings me back to that time. Yes. Um, and so good. It is. And that's one thing that I read that was, was talking about ways to connect to your inner child. And it said to make sure to embrace that nostalgia because mm. like, your ego of your current self might want to like pretend like you never liked cheetah girls or whatever but like literally just embrace that nostalgia and embrace like what that feels like and really feel what you felt back then and how you can bring that into your life now I love that Elena said yes with the dance routines yeah. <laughs> I'm here for it, it. So fun. I feel like I should come up with a dance routine now with my sister but honestly yeah. you guys should it's it was just good and like just it's you talked about thinking about a time in your life where you just felt the most joy and those were the times those were the days and even just thinking about them now as we talk about them I can feel my smile bigger um right <laughs> so I I love that a lot and just being able to connect to that I feel like listening to music period or like just having that fun time period brings you happiness, but realizing that it's that connection to your inner child and like, really like, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't remember the word that is right. I don't want to say, I want to use the word feeding your inner child, but that's something that we had talked about <laughs> earlier. It's not feeding. Um, but really, I guess embracing and being yeah. in harmony with your inner child. Um, and like nurturing it yeah nurturing it giving the giving it what it wants um mm. but also acknowledging the work the work but then now now you're having the fun right um, exactly exactly and I feel like that is one thing that makes the inner child so powerful is that it's all of that together it's like the healing and the fun and like everything that is a growing journey of your life is like summed up in your inner child I love it. Um, and I love, like, you talking about dance because that is one thing that um, goes hand-in-hand hand with play that they talk about a lot. Like, the easiest way to connect to your inner child is to do anything creative, to dance, mm -hmm. to draw. Even if you don't necessarily have strong memories of doing that as a child, just that type of creative energy, like, gets your inner child going. And dancing is something personally that I want to do more of. Um, I was like on dance teams my entire childhood. And then I was actually a cheerleader in high school. <laughs> Don't go looking for the pictures. They're probably on someone's Facebook. <laughs> I used to have an ankle brace and a knee brace. You're going to be easy <laughs> to find me. But I really loved dancing like growing up and even through high school. And like something happened at some point in high school that it went from me loving it to me being really self-conscious of it. And I would find myself like at parties or wherever there's music, like not even moving at all because I was self-conscious of others opinion on me. And I don't know what like caused that change because I feel like it happened in high school, but I guess that's my inner teenager that <laughs> I haven't gotten to yet. Um, but a few years ago I started dancing more like just around my house and like, Literally, like, they, that phrase, like, dance like no one's watching really mm. is powerful because, like, just do that. Let your body just freely express and move, and it feels so good. So it's something that I have a goal to do more of. 
at least around my house when no one really is watching. <laughs> I love that you brought the dance where no, no one's watching because I feel like stopping looking at it, how you're talking about your inner teenager and like you didn't want nobody or like even when you were talking about in middle school when you didn't want anybody to know you were still hanging out with your dad um, or doing things like that. I feel like there's so much judgment and shame that comes from ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's not even anybody else. It's just, oh, what is this person going to think? Or what is that person going to think? But dancing like no one's watching, almost dancing like you're not watching you too. Like that judgment is off. It's gone. Um, so I like that. Wow. I love that. And I think that is one of my favorite parts of doing the inner child healing. It really is healing that self-judgment. And that goes back to what the holistic psychologist said about parents not being able to allow you to fully express yourself without judgment because they can't do that for themselves. And it really mm. is that just like letting go of that judgment of ourselves. I love that. Um, I have one question that caused a lot of reflection for me and I don't even have an answer for. So I want to end it off with that for everyone to reflect on. But do you have any other sentiments or points or quick gems to share, Steph? Um, I feel like I had so many notes that I want to make sure that I didn't forget anything. But no, I don't think so. I think we went through everything. Um, go ahead with your question. Okay, awesome. Um, the question is, what is something you love about yourself that you embodied as a child? So something that with your current self is something you love and it's something that has been part of you since childhood, something that you embodied as a child. So I feel like I was thinking about this um, and kind of writing about it. And I feel like I don't have a 100% answer, but the first thing that came to my mind as you asked right now was, um, I feel like growing up, a lot of people told me, oh, you're, she's so stubborn. Oh, she's so hard-headed. Oh, she should be a lawyer. Um, but that's actually something that I love. I'm very, like, well, I've, and I've grown a lot from before because I feel like I am a very stubborn, set-in-my-ways person. Um, the growth that I've been able to experience along the way is I can still see multiple perspectives. I feel like at one point, Maybe I couldn't see all perspectives um, and it was my way or no way. But keeping that just strong head, that strong personality is something that I've always loved about myself. Um, and sometimes it gets me into some trouble and sometimes it's a little extra spice than needed. Um, but it's something that I'm really grateful for about myself. So that's actually the first thing that came to mind just now. Wow. I love that. And Good I buddy. love that you see it in like that positive way. And it's interesting, like, when we have some of those things that have been something about us since childhood, like that's like who we are. Um, the first thing I thought of, but I, I don't know, like I, <laughs> but the first thing I thought is being talkative, but it's something that I don't even know if I would necessarily say, like I love about myself right now. I mean, I love everything about myself. I accept myself and I love myself, but I don't know. It's just the first thing that I could think of that has been something that 
I knew was about me since I was a child. Um, one reason I actually skipped a grade in elementary school is because I was always getting in trouble for talking and they would keep giving me more work and I would end up like a few chapters ahead of the rest of the class and still finish and still talk. <laughs> and I would like <laughs> distract everyone else. So it became a whole thing. And that was one reason that like led to me um, skipping a grade. So it's something that like I used to get in trouble for, but then it's also something that I would sometimes be praised for or it would just be like, I don't know. I feel like I've just had an interesting relationship with being talkative. And then recently I started to think that I was shy and that I wasn't talkative. And I realized that we all have moments that we can be shy, right? Like anytime we're talking to someone brand new, like, ah, what are we even going to talk about? Like Mm -hmm. the weather, right? Like we all have those (laughs) moments, but in general, like I really love to talk. I mean, like we're here on a podcast. (laughs) I clearly love to talk. And I really enjoy conversations and connecting with people and like all of that. So I guess I do love it. But I don't know, like, that's, that's why I felt like it was a great question to end with, because it really caused me like a lot of reflection. And then beyond just talking, like, what's another thing? I'm sure there's more. Oh, I'm sure there's more. But side note, when we were talking about really looking back without judgment, I think that that's something you can also look back at because mm-hmm. if it's something that's been a part of you always and it's something that you still love, I feel like when you first talked about it, you're like, oh, it's, and I also think it's interesting. We both pick things that maybe got us in trouble. Um, but as you were talking about, as you kept the conversation going or like the sentence going, you start off with, I was talkative. I used to get in trouble. It was considered a bad thing. But then you said, I'm talkative. I love connecting with people. I love conversations. And that is exactly why we're here. And that is exactly like why we do that work to want to acknowledge those things. But also what's wrong with being talkative? It's brought you here. It's brought you to a space where you're able to share your thoughts. You're able to connect with people that maybe you're not even having a direct conversation with. And I think if it wasn't for that, you wouldn't be here. And I think it's absolutely something to love. Wow. Thank you. (laughs) That was a beautiful way to validate me and just sum up (laughs) like all of that. So thank you. I honestly am so grateful for this podcast being something that pushes my own personal growth and these conversations because I feel like I always have breakthroughs when I'm preparing for these conversations. Mm. And then when we touch base beforehand, we have breakthroughs. And then when we're actually on here, we have breakthroughs. So it's an amazing journey. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you, Steph, for being here with me every time we're live and (laughs) with everything that we have planned going forward. Um, Steph and I are constantly elevating and expanding harnessing your power and if you haven't checked it out yet check out our previous episode where we talk about our habit tracker and if you would like a free pdf of your own habit tracker that you can edit right on your phone or you can download to print out just shoot either one of us a dm we would love to keep sharing that because i'm still using mine and it is definitely making a really positive impact in my life So I would love to keep sharing that. And to everyone who was live, thank you for tuning in. To those of you who stayed with us this entire conversation, thank you for really truly being part of this conversation. And we will see you soon.
Yes. Thank you so much, Stacey. Thank you for everyone who's listening, whether it be live or on the recording. Thank you for being a part of our growth with us and talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye.